Hey, Vlad, uh, welcome. I'll get started in about uh, two minutes. Okay, good morning, everyone. I'm going to get started. Uh, hi, Heidi. Good to see you again. Hi, William. Uh, good to see you again. So I will be quick. So again, just a real quick update. Uh, I just started uh, trying to set a rocket stove in my van converted into RV. And I'm hoping I'll be able to start uh, moving towards south, uh, try to live in this uh, uh, in this uh, little RV that I converted myself. Uh, try to do some semi-off-grid living and uh, see what's going to happen. And uh, today I want to talk about uh, the news, basically. the Something that uh, really, what's in the news that has inspired me. After I come up with this uh, judicial white privilege theory, I can see things very clear, uh, which is very helpful for me to kind of digest what's happening and know that. So uh, I just want to share those with you. So today's topic is about triangulation of powers. It can be white powers, which I'm going to get started uh, very quickly. So it actually somehow related to two persons. They are both from Tennessee. One is Jack Smith, the newly appointed independent prosecutor. Uh, appointed by Merrick Garland. By the way, I have called Merrick Garland a judicial white privilegist. Okay, I called him that. I did in one of my episodes. Uh, another person I want to talk about is Dr. Arikana Chihombori uh, Kwao. Uh, it's a very difficult African name. But she is, uh, she came to the United States in 1977 became a medical doctor and he she is also uh, ambassador of african union to the united states he made a very fiery presentation al jazeera in regard to the african union u.s summit recently held in the white house he made a fiery speech i cannot stop clapping my hands listening to her. She is organizing uh, uh, African Desperado. Basically, what she's doing is exactly what, what I have been saying all the time. What I've been saying is this. For the African Americans in this country to gain full equal rights and the citizenship, they must pay attention to the population in their ancestral land, which is Africa. That is the place of original sin of American colonialism, okay? Without doing anything about Africa, for the Americans to do something about African people, we're not going to get anywhere when it comes to racial inequality, okay? So, and as we know, America is getting more and more multiracial. No one can change that. That's the biology. It's just like uh, your teenage children is going to have sex. The biology is driving that, okay? You have no control over it. You can bring all kinds of tools, religion, politics, family value, whatever. You are not going to stop your teenage 
children to have sex one day. Okay, so so America is getting multiracial. We have to make a harmonic society. We cannot have this kind of a nonsense, uh, literally on a daily basis. So she's a fantastic human being, basically. So okay, now let me get started with this triangulation of powers, or you I can say triangulation of white powers. The reason I want to say triangulation of white powers is this. I have said in my early episodes this. The people who don't trust white people in power are white people, specifically the founding fathers. The founding fathers of this country are all white male. They are scared of each other. They are scared of each other for the potential opportunity to abuse the law, to abuse the government power against themselves. That's why they set up a so-called three-branch of a government, triangulation of powers in a democracy. They want a check and balance of a three branches of government. They purposefully set up a three parties to check on each other. It's brilliant. Okay, as I said, it's not my invention. Okay, it, no, I'm not making up this thing called the judicial white privilege. I'm just saying this is how these judges on justice wrote in their opinions. It's they they said it. All right. So the same thing with this triangulation of white powers. Triangulation is needed to to check and balance. So least amount of wrong, least amount of inequality, least amount of unfairness could occur. So that's the whole purpose of it. So now keep that in mind. So you have to remember this. The best political system, in my opinion, is not two-party system. It's not Democrats versus uh, Republican. Okay? It's uh, it's just not uh, we call it duopoly these days, right? I don't like it. Okay? I think we need a third party, period. Okay? We need that triangulation of power. Okay? I believe when it comes to the racial inequality, it should not be just a black and white. It's for all races, including white races. Okay? I have said in the past, when the law can be abused to oppress one racial minority, then it can be a tool to oppress any other racial minority. And whites is going to be become a minority soon. You do not have want to have a justice system that are entirely out of whack. You know, that just means civil war as as you know as far as I'm concerned. Right? So so that's why I don't believe in this uh, zero sum two party gaming system. You know, it's either the West will win or East will win. It's, uh, it's either the, the U.S. will win or the China will lose or China will win, the U.S. will go down to the tube. Now, I don't believe that. And I have a reason. I have a historic evidence to show, you know, I'm correct. So, so now, before I forget, you know, I also want to remind the listeners here is this. I have talked about Obama because people ask me whether Obama is Uncle Tom or not. I've said this. Obama... I do not know what he did for the African-Americans in this country, but I know this. He did no shit to the African people. 
He's half Kenyan. Half his ancestors lives in Africa. What he did? Oh, guess what? He did one thing. He did the first African Union U.S. summit during his tenure. Trump did nothing. Biden did another one. But according to Dr. Chihongbori Kuo, as I said, she is on the Al Jazeera uh, uh, program. Both summit are just piece of a. Sh- it's a showpiece. It's a charade. There's no agenda, and the U.S. has no specific agenda, meeting agenda. When the U.S. this time around invited the 54 or 48 countries to Washington D.C. to have a summit, but that's the only summit has no agenda, meaning that what we're going to do, what we're going to talk about. You have uh, leaders from 40 some countries, you know. So, so both. So again, only two. African Union U.S. summit has ever been held. One is done by Obama. One is done by, you know, now the president, President Biden. But as this African opinion leader has said, oh, she has been called uh, Mama Africa. You, know, she, uh, I mean, you, you can watch out the uh, watch the comments that the people left for her. She is something. She is an accomplished person. She is a physician, a doctor. She need not to be get involved with the politics. But guess what? She cares a great deal about her ancestral land and his, her ancestral people far more than what, what Obama cared. Okay? So Biden, as we all know, you know, I have always said he is a closet racist, period. Okay? I'll just tell you two initiatives. Biden has personally involved, which goes nowhere. If you follow by Joe Biden, he established a foundation called the Bo Biden's Foundation to protect children from sexual abuse. Remember, they are from a Roman Catholic family. Go to the you know Diocese of Wilmington is responsible for over one hundred some minors being sexually abused. They actually established a foundation named after his dead son. And that foundation was recently closed for good because most of the money donated to the foundation did not go to help protecting children from sexual abuse. Joe Biden had another initiative because his son died from cancer. He had a project, he had an initiative called the Moonshot, I think, M-O-O-M-S-H-O-T. So he somehow wants to spend $10 billion to find a cure for some kind of a cancer. You can Google that and find out where that goes to. So with that said, you can see where we're going, where the, what this administration is going to do for the racial equality in this country or on the global stage. Okay. So that is about Obama and Biden's legacy. You know, I'm writing their legacy before they're, they're, they're even dead. So bad for me, I guess. But I know this. I'm going to either burn in hell, according to the church's teaching, or I will be burned on a stake because, uh, uh, because the U.S. government really hates me for what I'm saying. So with that said, um, I'm going to start with this guy, John Mearsheimer, Joe John Joseph Mearsheimer. He's this guy got some uh, attention recently. You know, he wrote a book about this uh, great 
power competition. So he basically, back in 2001, he wrote this book. He believed it was a big mistake that uh, the U.S. allowed China to develop economically. Uh, to the point now, China is the sworn enemy of the United States, which I, I don't think is true. But he brought this theory, which again, you know, as you know, I'm always want to go by the theory. He brought this theory from a Greek theorist by the name of uh, Thucydides, T H U C I, sorry, T H U C Y D I D S. Thucydides, Thucydides theory, meaning that when the world has two great powers rising, there will be a great conflict. Okay, this is what this guy John Mearsheimer is saying. The U.S. and NATO should not get engaged with the Ukraine because the real enemy is China, because China is rising and they are the only one trying to catch up U.S. as the world's only superpower. Therefore, we were going to have a war. And all that. Guess what? I have already said. I am sick and tired of those white male pretend to be the smartest person on the earth, try to explain how the world is going. To me, John Mearsheimer uh, is similar to that guy Gordon Chang, Gordon Chang, C H A N G, who is a Fox News regular, who has predicted the downfall of China since twenty years ago. And the, unfortunately, the things that just happened right quite opposite what this guy just said. So this John Mersh, uh, Mearsheimer has also has a problem. Okay, he apparently there is a Western scholar. He does not read Eastern histories. He does not read Asian histories. He does not read Chinese histories. There is a far more insightful. Things that's already written in the Chinese history, in the Chinese、uh, school books about the big powers, world and peace, and all that. Okay, so as a matter of fact, very early on, early on when the Ukraine war broke out, there is a viral video of a little Chinese schoolgirl relating an old Chinese no、uh, novel towards the Ukrainian situation. Okay, I do not know the exact content of it, but I'm going to use that book to counter what John Mearsheimer's analysis. Okay, so again, this is a Greek scholar, great he may be, is likely correct when he concludes something from the history of war in Greece in Europe, but he when he wrote that thing, he has no knowledge. Of what's happening in China? China has wars in the past. Okay, before Chairman Mao, China is divided by warlords. It's like Afghanistan. Okay, you, you can imagine that, right? So there's a history of a war. So the book, the name of the book is called the Romantic History of a Three States. The romantic is not about lovemaking. The romantic is about having wars among three states. One of the lessons—it's a—it's—it's it's a book with a huge volumes. I read it when I was young. It's a fascinating book. Okay, but the lesson from that particular history is this: the triangulation of powers 
are good for a peaceful period for the human societies. In other words, if there's three countries that are powerful, country A, country B, and country C, imagine if A and B want to have a war, they will all know the war will damage both sides. That will give the opportunity for country C to invade either one of them. So the theory is this. When you have a three triangular powers, war is less likely. When you have only two superpowers, then war will be likely. So the teaching of that is that to maintain world peace, it's actually better to have a multipolar systems by a minimum of a three, meaning that any two parties want to have a war against each other, they have to make put this into their calculation that third country, the third power, may take that as a great opportunity to conquer either one of them or both of them. That has happened in China's history repeatedly. It never failed. So even from the Chinese perspective, now, I don't represent Chinese government. Even from the Chinese perspective, is it really true that they want to be the only superpower of the world? Or isn't it really true that they want U.S. and China to be the only two superpower over the world? I bet it's not, because it will be against all the wisdoms that even a little schoolgirl would know. So this, I want to show you this. This is just show you this is a big tenure professor, American political scientist. By the way, there is this guy, a Russian guy who is a U.S. citizen. Uh, he has a very good YouTube channel. I think it's called... Uh, his uh, call name is uh, Smoothie X12. Smoothie, just like smoothie, you go get your drink in the summer time. Well, you know, just smoothie X12. When X12. He said this, which I find out hilarious. He said in American higher education, this major called uh, political science is uh, a oxymoronic major. There's no such thing as a political science. <laughs> it has nothing to do science. It's everything about politics. So this guy, John Mer Mearsheimer, is an American political scientist and an international relations scholar. He doesn't even know a little Chinese schoolgirl knows. Again, he does not even know what the founding fathers of his own countries knows the best. To maintain peace, to maintain, to prevent abuse of power, it's through triangulation of power. Even towards the founding fathers who are all white. To them, it's the triangulation of all white powers. You do not want to have one white male to have all the power. As simple as that. So, so that is what I want to talk about today. Because it's important for me is this. These so-called scholars, political scientists, and all that, they are promoting wars. They are the threats of peace, peace and security to American citizens and to the global citizens. 
these people, in my opinion, is really up for no good. I do not know what their agenda is. It's not my concern. But I just want to point out this: the way we set up our democracy is through triangulation powers, and the way we can maintain world peace is through triangulation. For now, I can say it's probably China, Russia, and the U.S. It's a triangulation powers. Who is going to watch the other one? Whoever is trying to acting up. I'm not going to take sides here, but I think a multipolar world at a minimum of a three superpowers is a good thing for the world peace. It will not be a good thing when there's only one superpower. Okay, so like when I follow some of the YouTube channels, some of the like I, this morning I watched the. Former、uh, New Zealand Prime Minister、uh, on the YouTube channel. Hi, Amanda. Thank you for calling in. So this guy, you know, celebrated the 50 years anniversary of New Zealand's、uh, establishing diplomatic relationship with China and all that. It's all cool and all that, right? But I want to ask these people. You don't have to pretend. All these countries: Germany, New Zealand, Australia. All those Western powers—they all celebrate 50 years anniversary of establishing diplomatic relationship with China. Why they are all at the same time? I tell you why. Because that's the same time the U.S. allowed them to. These countries are not sovereign countries. China is established in 1949. They have to wait 20 some years. After the United States, the world's only superpower, allow them to establish diplomatic relationship with China.、Um, U.S. is the only superpower during this time. All the countries must listen to the U.S. before they determine whether they want to establish a diplomatic relationship. So, so that is just is just a fact. It's just a fact. So. Having said that, you know I want to stress this.、Uh, Mayor Shima also said Nixon made a right choice when he established diplomatic relationship, but afterwards he believed everything is done wrong. But I want to say the same thing about what billions about Nixon. Here again, Mayor Shima, a political science professor, don't even recognize that. Nixon used exactly the same thing. It's called the triangulation of powers. He believed just by build up militarily, it's got not going to be enough to counter the military threat of the Soviet Union. So he think about it. Okay, for all the trouble in Vietnam, probably it's time to establish a normalized relationship with China, so he can establish this. Triangulation of power, and it's proved to be highly effective, and it worked. So, for all the dirty,、uh, for all the、uh, red scare talk by those Republicans and the Fox News personalities, like oh, how these communist Chinese, blah blah blah, it is written in the Shanghai communique by a Republican president that the United States is willing to coexist peacefully. With the communist China and do mutually beneficial things. That's what he said. 
Okay, again, you know, I have said last time about treaties, right? You know, I talked in the last episode about how the Anglo-Saxon government treat treaties with the Native Americans, with the Ukrainians, with the Russians, with with themselves, by the way. Like I said, both world wars broke up because one parties, likely Anglo-Saxon countries, decided not to follow, uh, obey the treaty anymore, right? So that 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 is that. So the founding fathers is really. I always said, you know, I know people will criticize me, say, "Hey, how can you, how dare you praising founding fathers?" Well, I praise them because they learn from their own experiences. These people are coming from different European countries. They have seen all kinds of abuse of power by the church, by the government, by the king. You know, through which the people suffer. So the best thing they can put up. They can devise is through the triangulation of powers. So, you know, so that in a nutshell is my little, you know, vent. You know, if you, for lack of better expression. So I want now I want to talk about some uh, uh, events that happened before the Thanksgiving and all that. You know, one is uh, this uh, Twitter censorship. Another one is this uh, appointment of a. Uh, independent prosecutor about Trump. Hey, hey, Peter, before you go on, I have a couple questions about the, sure. the, the, um, this, what do you call it? The triangulation, um, mm-hmm. and China specifically, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming China sees the three being Russia, China, and the U.S., or is that just a U.S.-centric way to see it? Would they pick different three? Is there another per- another country they might want to prefer to see? I mean, I'm just curious what your thoughts are from the angle. Great, great question. Sure. I now again, I'm an American citizen. I mean, you know, there's just like. It's okay for Irish American Respect. to love Ireland, Respect. you know. Respect. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you know, just there's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you have a German American, you can love Germany. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? So, again, going back to this uh, Mama Africa, her presentation is fantastic. In, uh, I encourage everyone to watch. She's just like she's like the female version of Malcolm X. Okay, it's it's just she is even better than than that guy, uh, Professor. Horn, Jerome Horn of uh, Houston University. And she's a doctor. You know, I respect doctor. I, I work in the uh, healthcare, so I respect doctor. So going back to Amanda's question, this uh, doctor uh, from Tennessee, I apologize, her last name is very difficult to pronounce. She has said, African Union has demanded to be a member of the Permanent Security Council. She said that in the Al Jazeera. As we know, also India is demanding these days to be a member of a permanent security council. These demands represent a, at least a minimum, a desire that the African Union should be considered one of the, you know, power in the multipolar world, right? India wants to do the same. There's nothing wrong demanding that, right? I just want to say is the sad reality is this. Whether you are a 
recognizable power or not is truly depends on your industrial strength, you know, economy, all those good stuff, right? So because of this, again, back to this uh, Mama Africa, which I think is much easier for me to say, this doctor from Tennessee, she is uh, uh, extremely uh, focused on one thing, it seems to me, is this uh, Berlin conference. Berlin conference is a conference held in Germany in 1885, where the European powers decide the fate of some African countries. So, which I'm going to talk about later. So, Amanda, going back to this, what I, I want to bring this up is this, to answer your question is this. When you are, you are backwards, you are underdeveloped, your, your people is as poor as the, as, as the dirt they stand on, then, you know, you are no power. You, are, you don't have the recognizable power. You know, you can demand, but such a demand will, will not be respected. This is what I want, want to say. So I respect their demand, right? But can they be considered a power to reckon with? I don't think the, I don't think the Western power will, 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 will treat them seriously. Not at all. I have said, you know, because just like this uh, Mama Africa has fierily said it in, in this Al Jazeera interview, that the fact that Biden invited these 40-some African countries' leader to the Washington, D.C. without an agenda, meaning, look, Amanda, if I invite you to my RV, you know, I will have an agenda. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to have a barbecue, you know, you know. You invite 40-some countries' leaders to Washington, D.C. You do not even have a one single agenda. This is what she said. It's an actual insult for, the, for these leaders to agree to come to D.C. without even an agenda is to accept the insult. Think about it. If a country's leader has to accept an insulting invitation, that's not a powerful country. So I hope I answered your question. Uh, go ahead. Um, you, did, you didn't really, but I think that you helped oh, me please. understand better what, what wait, wait, wait. No, I was go ahead. Do, do, understand. Do, do. I think you uh, added to my understanding, which is important. I think that oh, is really okay. Critical. Okay. I, I do not, no, I cannot, I'm not, I don't represent Chinese government whatsoever. Oh, no, I got you. I, I, I can only guess, right? But I do know this much is that the Chinese government, I, I, I believe that's, I give uh, a credit to Xi Jinping's uh, uh, vision. That's his vision. That's his idea. I probably would not do it, but that's his idea. Basically, he's saying for all the Chinese citizens, if you are interested, if you are adventurous enough, if you are entrepreneurial enough, the government allow you to go anywhere in this world to find a job, to attend school, to run a business. That, that can be a, com a company, that can be a person. So I have seen just so many Chinese all over the world, and they are posting YouTube channels, uh, YouTube uh, things. That's just fascinating for, for me to, to, watch, to watch what they do in different countries. And uh, I, as you can imagine, just like the Chinese in this country, they have to be able to get along with the local you know, 
people, right? You know, and some don't. And you will see all kinds of uh, stories, which are, I think is fascinating. Hey, at least there's no gun involved. There's no massacre involved, okay? There's no no internment involved. You know, they are just, you know, they may have a business disputes, uh, marital disputes, okay? Uh, property disputes and all that. But, but other than that, you know, I do not, you know, as you all know, China actually established a very strict policy that they do not get involved with the local government and politics. They only deal with infrastructure build. They only deal with uh, anything that will be beneficial for the development and the growth of that host country, right? If there is a fraud, a crime committed by Chinese citizens, they are all for you know prosecution and all that. And it's different. I, all I know is this, uh, because. Uh, I heard, again, I learned this recently from a younger Chinese guy who is American citizen, but who is uh, doing uh, YouTube uh, productions in uh, Malaysia or Indonesia. Because he has uh, told me that a lot of treaties the Western power signed with the colonized countries, being Africa or China or other Asian countries, is this. If a citizens of a Western countries violate the law in a foreign country, in the colonized country, they will be trialed according to their host country's law, not according to the local law. And the most, this is this, what he said is about in China, when the uh, foreigners, they are in China doing business or doing whatever, traveling or whatever. If they violate the local law, the Chinese authority has no authority to arrest or prosecute them. They have to be arrested and prosecuted by their home country. <laughs> that itself is just a, just tells you what it is. Okay. These days, if you are a U.S. citizen, you travel to Africa, to Afghanistan, to anywhere, you have to obey the local law or you will be in trouble. Okay. In those days, back to again, the Berlin Conference is just a proof that when you are weak, when you are backwards, when you are underdeveloped, when you are being called, I'm going to go back to that moral and the political chart of the inhabited world, when you are labeled as a savages and, and half civilized, then you are not a world power, you know? So, so that is basically how, how things has been. So going back to this, uh, again, Mayor Scheimer, again, a tenure professor, uh, and uh, he just, you know, to me, he just he, I, I simply cannot believe he does not know this is triangulation of powers or triangulation of a great powers because after all, he's talking talking about great powers, right? He should know this, but he does not, and uh, and uh, and and so so that's that. Now I'm going to talk about Twitter a little bit more. I talk about Twitter last time. So I will quickly about talk about the, the Twitter situation in this uh, scheme of a triangulation of powers. With all the mainstream media talks, including the Fox News and all that, okay? Of course, Fox News is the most upset parties of all these Twitter censorship thing. I just want to remind everyone, it is the Section three, uh, 230 of the Communications Decency Act that authorized social media companies such as Twitter to censor the people's content 
which is a clear violation of the First Amendment. Because the First Amendment says the government, the Congress should make no law regarding religion, regarding free speech, right? So I, so a lot of people go after Elon Musk, go after Twitter. No, I said, no, no, no. Look at the freaking document, which is called the Constitution. It is the law allowed Twitter to do so. Why? Because the Congress believe these are elected politicians. They think they can act above the law. Remember, it's the Congress who authorized the, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, right? It's the Congress passed the Fugitive Slave uh, Act of 1850, which I believe is the trigger of the Civil War. The Congress passed this law knowingly that uh, knowing that they are doing this in violation of the First Amendment. And they did it anyway. When Congress authorizes censorship, when you have the executive branch, the deep state, taking the routine of a tours, physically, in person, or sometimes via Zoom, to these uh, media companies with their legal counsels, saying, hey, there's a foreign threat on social media platform. We need you to censor these kind of contents. You have a two branches government already is carrying out the censorship. So you cannot really complain too much about Twitter. I'll tell you, if I'm running a baking, a bakery, and the government authorized me not to uh, bake a wedding cake for, for the gays and lesbians, Guess what I will do? I will not bake a cake for the gays and lesbians. I will post a sign saying, according to our government, you are not welcomed. You are not welcome here. So it is the government. So among the triangulation of power, you can imagine, what is the last stop to, to, to stop this censorship? It's the court. Someone has to go to the court saying, no, this particular act all by itself is not legal under the Constitution, right? If the wireless uh, surveillance by the NSA is legal, it's not, by the way, because there's no law specifically said the NSA can wiretap Americans, right? But if in case the Congress, for any reason, because they have to declare war against China, therefore they have to have a new Chinese Exclusion Act plus all the uh, Communication Espionage Act. So all the communication must be monitored by the government. It's a violation of the Constitution. Then someone has to go to court. That's the last stop among the three spots, three branches of government that you can protect yourself. So, so the, 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 the mainstream media intentionally try to confuse the public because, uh, you know, all they want is uh, dead people, blood, missing white woman, sexual assault, molestation of children. These are the ones who gather news. They love to see this stuff, right? More war, the better for the mainstream media. Social media, you know, does not sometimes bring that clarity. I'm here to bring that clarity, saying, among the, the scheme of a triangulation power, the Congress authorized censorship, if you are on YouTube, you are, if you're on Twitter, 
right? The deep state already is coming out to regulate your speech for their own purpose, whether it's good or bad or ugly. Maybe the FBI truly is a, another arm of the Democratic Party. I don't know. I don't have a fact for that. But, but, the, but the fact is the Congress has authorized Twitter to do what it did. Right? So, so, so that was, was what, what I want. So only up to the court to stop the censorship. So now I'm going to talk about the, the last topic I want to talk today. It's actually a funny one because uh, one of my episodes is about uh, this uh, attorney general, Mary Garland. Mary Garland, uh, I did an episode to talk about whether Mary Garland can be considered a judicial white privileges. Because the Mary Garland is the chief judge of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, just in case you do not know about in the legal, you know, in the legal field, it is considered the second highest court of the U.S. Okay, so so D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal is the second highest court. He is he is the chief judge of that court. So so I want to. Uh, you know, I, I, I have an episode just saying he is a judicial white privileges. I actually forgot about what I talk about. I have to go back. But today I want to do a follow-up on what he did recently. Go ahead, Heidi. You want to say something? Yeah, I was really curious what you had to say about this because uh, the whole Twitter censorship thing really gets under my skin. <laughs> so I wanted to catch you before you, you moved on to something else. The main question I have, and uh, don't take this the wrong way, please. Um, no, 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 trust me. Okay. I, I'm okay. Chinese. You can say anything about me. Trust me. I'm Chinese. <laughs> There's okay. a law against me. You know? Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I've been watching Primo Radical's coverage of the Twitter files. And I don't know if, if you're a fan, if you've ever seen his, his uh, content. But, no, but, go uh, ahead. Okay, so so he's anti-imperialist and he's uh, anarchist, I think, in his thinking. Um, but the point is, is that uh, there was something that he did yesterday put out that made me, because of all these FBI guys that were on staff at Twitter, mm -hmm. these ex-FBI, yeah, there mm -hmm. was something something specific that they were doing. And I think it had to, it was uh, the uh, election fraud. Uh, censorship. They were mm -hmm. they were um, like low follower accounts. These people that were just making fun of, like satirically making mm -hmm. fun of the whole election fraud issue, really makes me think that uh, it they know that the election was rigged and that they're trying to cover their tracks. Uh, I'm not saying I, I I want you to understand. I'm not a trumper. Okay. And in my opinion, I think uh, all the elections have been rigged since Kennedy and maybe even beforehand. But I was curious what your take on what on it was. Great question, Heidi. You know, we, uh, you know, I myself apparently is putting a damp on the reputation of this thing called the American democracy. Right. I already said American democracy. I actually termed it as a white majoritarian democracy because this were WND will 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 justice will 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 justify 
you know, a lot of people have discussed, culturally speaking, this thing called the white privilege. Because uh, I have always said, I don't consider white privilege a actually a cultural behavioral thing. It's actually a governmental thing. So I now know the term is called the white majoritarian democracy. Going back to your question, Heidi, you know, say, why, why you say that? Because this, long, long time ago, it's popular. It's a popular saying among African-Americans that they always, African-Americans already, uh, it has a low voting uh, participation. They believe that the, the election process is rigged. So that's why they don't vote. It's like, as you know, African-Americans, uh, I don't know whether, uh, who are, uh, is there any African-Americans in the audience? Feel free to jump, jump in here. So I remember there's a saying that African-Americans, they don't even bank. They keep their uh, 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 income from their jobs uh, in cash uh, 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 in their mattress, under their mattress, because they believe if they uh, save their money in the bank, the bank somehow will take it away. So, so this uh, election fraud claims, in my opinion, there are evidence supporting that. The, I'm not Trumper. I'm not a Trumper myself, but I'm sympathetic to the uh, sympathetic to the claims. This. We do want to have a, a our democratic process to have the highest integrity, right? I want that because uh, you know, just like if I buy a purchase a product, I want to be a genuine. You know, I don't want a fake made by a Chinese company. Like, oh, they say this is a Louis Vuitton bag, but when it's in fact it's not, right? It's it's like a knock knock knockoff things, right? So now. Going back to the Trump is this. I think a lot of courts already make the decision, which I agree with their decision is this. Is there irregularity? Yes. Is it pretty bad irregularity? Yes. But does that reach to the extent that the election results can be overturned? No. There's no convincing evidence. It's like a, watching a football game, you know, whether it's a catch or not a catch, whether that's a foul or not. There's an audio there's a video review process, right? You have to reach to that extent. If there's a convincing evidence that results will be otherwise, then you can overturn the decision and all that. So I don't know. So so that is one thing I want to talk about. Second is this. This is my interpretation of Trump. Again, I, I not only I not a Trumper. I hate Trump, but I love his presence. I love what he's doing, which I'm going to talk about later today. Is that he showcased, it's like a, you know, you know, a lot of uh, corrupt cops using this uh, black on black crime to make as an excuse for their violence against the um, armed black people, right? You know, to me, the fight that Trump is engaging in, it's like a, a one white privileges against another white privileges. That's what I was going to say. It's two rich old white dudes. So what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, right? So so, so I love the fight. Look, I mean, I, okay, I'm not trying, I'm saying this with no intentional uh, or, or unintentional uh, uh, contempt of any race, any ethnicity, okay? Uh, but I'm just saying it for, as a fact, okay? Yeah, I, I'll drop uh, off because Brandy, Brandy was saying yeah, sure. she's, a, she's black sure, and, sure. and she probably has better insight yeah, than sure. me. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'll just let, let, let you know. So this is what uh, what the uh, Putin recently said. But Mao, Chairman Mao said it earlier. Chairman Mao said this: 
First World War is between two white nations, or, or white na- among white nations. Because of, the, because of the First World War, the Soviet Union was born. Okay? But when Soviet Union was born, China is not an independent country. China is a colonized country. In the second, during the Second World War, again, it's a bunch of white countries fight each other like hell, right? Guess what happened? China gained independence, right? So basically, uh, about civil war, right? Civil war, again, uh, uh, back to the Second World War. Uh, this guy, uh, sorry, this woman, uh, Ruby Goldberg, has said, Second World War is not about Holocaust. She's correct. No one fight the Second World War because of Jewish people being interned, right? But, but Jewish people benefit from the Second World War. The Civil War, no one said in this country, Civil War is to liberate African-Americans. No, Civil War is to prevent the Southern states to secede from the Union. It's a, you know, two white groups of people fight each other like hell. Remember the war is hell by General Sherman? Right. So, you know, as a racial minority, I myself, I'm pretty sure a lot of black Americans, we are an accidental beneficiary of these white on white crimes, as, as violent as they may be. So I love Trump fighting the shit out of the Mary Garland. OK, so so I hope I answered your question on that. OK, I say this not because I dislike white people. You know, it's just this is the reality of the world. Uh, let me take uh, Brandy. Go ahead, Brandy. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Hey, Peter. First, I'm going to start by saying, please don't get mad, but Peter, I didn't know that you were Chinese. I thought you were like Hispanic or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm <not> <laughs> no, I'm Chinese, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was like, oh my goodness, you said Chinese. I didn't know. <laughs> I don't even know why I just assumed that you were Hispanic. I don't know. Maybe because we, you know, the, the, we have the accent. I don't know. But I just wanted to like, tell you that. I thought that was funny. But, um, yeah, you had said before, you said if anyone's out there that, you know, that's African-American or Black, come on up. And I said, price is right. Come on down. <laughs> yes. Please. Yes. Go. I love participation. Uh, trust me. Disagree with me. You know, I will never feel offended. I love this calling because I don't show my face. You know, I don't, I never feel insulted anywhere. You can have the, you know, the loudest, the uh, strongest opinion, you will not offend me because uh, we're just having a conversation here. Yes, yes. Well, you don't have to worry about that here. I'm very, um, very respectful, and I believe in communication and people having their, you know, opinions and thoughts. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, I know you were speaking of, uh, I think it was the voting, and uh, how African Americans or Black people view it, and I have, I have heard that before from a lot of um, black people, the reason why they don't vote is because they just think it's not even worthwhile, it's rigged and all that. And uh, mm. this past year, uh, there's a lot of people that said they opted out, right? Prior to mm-hmm. it, you know, people, mm-hmm. there is a very large um, amount of participa- uh, participants when it comes to the black community. Because, you know, for us, you know, uh, for many of us, we want to seek some kind of improvement, you know, or, or live better or, or just, you know, like get to a better place. And so there's a very large amount of um, black people that 
participate in voting or or just even educating themselves on other things that you can mm-hmm. do to mm-hmm. to create change, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there is that part that just says, "Well, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna change," right? Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I think that if you don't participate in voting, there's other ways, right, to still do something, not just to opt out. Um, you know, like me, I take trips to the to the Capitol um, with a group um, that we created uh, to, you know, here in Sacramento, where we would go speak to, you know, the representatives and things of a sort, some teacher. And, and we actually got a, a bill passed, breakfast after the bell, right? And that was my mm-hmm. experience. And so for me, I, it's like, uh, you know, you got to be willing to do something, right? Even if you feel like it's not working, what do you do? You just stand still. It's like, no, you got to, you got to first educate yourself. You know what I mean? You have to, and then you got to find a way. If this angle isn't working, you really believe it because you have that right to, to devote or not. But if that isn't working, then, you know, find another angle, but just can't stop. Um, now, as far as the money part, like how they do with their money and keeping it out of the bank, I don't know. I don't. I don't know of many that do that, but I've heard that before. I was just talking to someone the other day um, about them growing up, and their parents were telling them, "Don't put all your eggs in one basket," you know, because the banks, you know, well, you know, you just don't want to put, you know, have all your. And they did refer to the mattress. So it's crazy that you said that. <laughs> yep. yep. No, no. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah, I just wanted to, you know, just uh, kind of, you know, tap, touch on that, agree, and then kind of, but also let you know that there is a huge, huge amount of um, black um, African American and black people that participate within uh, the, the voting, and but there is a lot that don't, and I think it just really takes. Um, I, I can't really blame blame them, right? Because well, what do you do? What are you doing when you don't feel confident or good about anyone that's before you? when it comes to um, voting. You just kind of like throw a, a coin up in the air and you're like, oh, you know, but I've seen yep. so, so many that support Trump and, and whether it would have Trump. And so if there's anything dealing with Trump, that that's probably going to bring them out, right? Like, him, like yep. him, he seems to get the job done. And so that's where it kind of stands. So, yeah. No, I, <laughs> appreciate, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I want to uh, share with you two things. One is that... Uh, First of all, I'm a strong believer in participation of voting, especially for racial minorities, because, uh, you know, you look at uh, uh, in the 60s when, you know, this is, again, after what, 80 years after the 14th Amendment was passed, the uh, the black votes were being suppressed and all that, and the people lose their lives, you know, for organizing voting and all that. So, you know, for racial minorities, you have to vote. What I want to... Bring up is the this uh, sentiment that are shared by sh- Trump supporters, which was uh, felt at least by the African American in the past is this is that the system is rigged. You know, it's right. So when they felt the political system is rigged, they they lose hope, and so that's what, what I'm trying to answer. What uh, Heidi is asking because I know this. Trump, Trump is a douchebag. Douche Humanly speaking, he's a, he's a douchebag. In fact, I believe so many people hate him. These many people is is willing to even violate law to make sure he's going to be defeated in 2020. I'm sure of that. 
Because I'm, I'm not, not going to say there's a case of a Trump is justified or not. I'm just saying factually, I know there's so many people just hate their guts about Trump. You know, I probably among one of them, but I, I'm not going to do anything illegal to make sure he's defeated. Because again, I'm going back to the triangulation power. You know, he can be in power, but I still have my venue to get get my argument in. So that's what I'm saying. So again, it's just about when a group of people believe, in this case, it's the Trump supporters, the MAGA people, they believe the system's rigged. Then they may have experiences. Are they, are they, uh, do they reach to the extent that the election outcome can be overturned? Absolutely not. So, do you think? I, I hope I answered your question and uh, Heidi's question. Feel free to call back in, Heidi, if you want to follow up more. So I'm going, but I am going to talk about Trump. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you guys don't get upset with me. Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, do you think, because um, you had said that, you know, so many people, you know, um, hate him that they would do what they have to do to have him not, you know, be able to get back in. Um, that being said, do you, first of all, I would like to say on that note, if, if that's someone's goal and that's what they want, to be done and they'd have to think smarter and be like well what do you have in place to put there that will be better right be like mm-hmm. like well if i get this person out we will need to have something there that's better because the the, the, the the other option might be you know gets no better or worse right so, uh, you're talking about biden now you, I, I seriously you're talking about biden now okay yeah, well, i have a i'll retake it in general like if that was like the case and if someone's that feeling that strongly about Trump, they're like, well, we got to figure out a way he doesn't get in there. Then you have to, you know, for me, critically thinking, I'm like, well, if I'm going to get this person out, let me make sure that the, the other option is a good option, right? Yeah, so make sure I, I totally agree. It's been I, not just based I, on things and feelings, right? You correct, correct, uh, uh, Brandy. I there's some echo. I'm sure whether you can uh, whether you can mute yourself. Uh, so I'm going to bring up what I talk about in past episodes. Harry Kissinger, who is 99 years old, he was recently interviewed by a British journalist. I think, uh, you know, they are, this guy asked two questions about Harry Kissinger. You know, he's been around. He's in politics and all that. He said, uh, who will be the best person to handle the global climate crisis? He named the, the late Singapore Prime Minister, Li Kuan Li Guangyao in Chinese, Li Guangyao. And then the uh, interviewer asked him the second question, for all the trouble that America is internally experiencing now, who will be the best person to to be the president of uh, the United States? He named the same person, Li Guangyao, the former, late former prime minister of Singapore. Because Singapore is a a multiracial society with the Chinese as the majority. And, uh, and uh, you know, going back to your question, Brandy, is that who should we elect? I'll just tell you, like I said, I already dislike this uh, dual, map, dual, uh, dual uh, two-party system, Demo- either Democrats or Republicans. You know, uh, I believe in triangulation of power. And uh, I want at least have a third party. This is the first thing. Second, I do not want the race issue to be addressed only by either black people or white people. It should be by any person who can tell, who, who can, who have a vision 
to build a harmonic, prosperous, multiracial society. Because Singapore has proven it's doable. I think I bring up another uh, example is uh, the president of uh, Rwanda. Uh, Rwanda is, even though it does not have a, a long history of a stability, but what it did recently in the past, say, 20 years is amazing. Basically, Rwanda going through uh, genocide internally, right? So the, the president of Rwanda can actually maintain a peaceful and prosperous uh, uh, little country in Africa. They're, they're being called the Switzerland of Africa. It's amazing to me. Okay. Uh, by the way, I have learned recently the internal genocide of Rwanda has something to do with the colonizers. Basically, the colonizers, as we all know, you know the, the colonizers, they are very smart people, right? You know, I always say that the judicial white privileges, they are very intelligent people. The colonizers actually will establish a class systems, meaning that they will use locals to govern locals. So we, in American terms, there will be house slaves and uh, field slaves. So they will have house slaves to manage the field slaves, right? So, so in the Rwanda situation, I guess one of the uh, ethnicity is traditionally being used to control the I guess more savage uh, ethnicity, I guess. So because of that, when the colonizer left, there's a residue of a ethnic hatred among themselves. And that's the reason there's a internal genocide have happened in Rwanda. So going back to your question is, I remain hopeful. I, I believe uh, American people, I believe in American people. I do. And uh, I believe one day, you know, People will wise up, say, you know, it's not a, a this or that, east or west, black or white. No, this is a multiracial society. I remember uh, the first reaction from uh, this Spike Lee when Obama was elected as the president of the United States. The Spike Lee's first mentioning is the Native Americans. You know, what do we do to compensate Native Americans? You know, that's just, you know, that's a tremendous... Uh, uh, a statement, as far as I'm concerned. So, and uh, so, Brandy, do you, uh, William? Let me make you the speaker. Hold on. So, 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 so that is that. So, so, but, but I'm hoping. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just gonna say uh, I, I agree with the whole you know multi-cultural um, thing, and I liked how you said uh, not just making it a black and white thing. Allow, you know, uh, someone else maybe have a vision. Um, we always just make it about this color thing but we say we don't want it to be about race and we want to get away from that but we tend to always take it back there and it's got to be only dealt with by black people white people can't get it but you know what i mean and it's really just it um we have to be open we're in a different time now like you said multicultural and we have to allow if we want to see better then we have to do be willing to do something different right stay hopeful yep. and do yep. something different because this is isn't working right so that that's what my critical thinking tells mm -hmm. me this isn't working so why not open up um ideas and allow you know i really i really admire um malcolm x right i still have his book right here he has this one called um by any necessary if you read it it's very intelligent he really really gets yes. point yes he wasn't racist and he's willing to work with everybody right to get mm -hmm. the, you know, the task mm -hmm. done right and um I, I admire his vision, and I just think that if we had more of that, then uh, we could get to a, to a better place. But, you know, there's people that don't want us to get to a better place, Peter. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, okay. I I strongly recommend you watch you watch this clip uh, in Al Jazeera. Randy, could you mute yourself? So so I called I call her Mama Africa because someone else called her. So Doctor Arikana Chihombori Kwao. I will spell her last name C H I C O M B O R Y dash Q U A O. She is on Al Jazeera. She is like the Malcolm X today, based on what she said just recently. Now, Malcolm X, I myself, you know, she, you know I recently learned that Rosa Parks is, Parks is totally into Malcolm X's uh, uh, vision, uh, which I agree. But I want to say this. It's, this is not meant to be a criticism of Malcolm X whatsoever. Okay. I consider Malcolm X a revolutionary. I have a lot of respect for all the revolutionaries. Chairman Mao is a revolutionary. Let me criticize Chairman Mao first. Chairman Mao has a no fucking clue how to build up China. He did liberate China from the colonizer, but he has no fucking clue how to build up China. It is the guy who Chairman Mao harassed, persecuted many, many times. This guy by the name of Deng Xiaoping. When he come out, when he took over, he said this, he doesn't care whether, uh, care whether it's a black cat or white cat, as long as it's a good cat that can catch a mouse, he will go with that cat. So what he's saying is that he will do anything to build up China, whatever it takes. So to, to reach to racial equality, you know, I'll just tell you this, uh, Brandy, you know, I will just point out this almost seemingly unsolvable problem. There's a tremendous racial gap in the educational achievement between blacks and whites in this country, even today. So I need someone who can do something real about it. Okay. So, so going back to Malcolm X is this, is that he is in a historic circumstances. He has no opportunity to vision how he can build up from ground up African-American communities to make them as prosperous as any other race and ethnicities, right? So, so this is not a criticism of him. It's just like he has not get to that point. And uh, I do not see any African-American leaders in this country today that has that vision either. I mean, I will be lucky if, if an African-American leader is not Uncle Tom in America today. You know, most of them are Uncle Toms as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So... So go ahead, go ahead. I would say that you are right about that. Like we don't see any more Martins and Malcolm X's anymore. But I will say, you know, that there are, <clears throat> um, you know, I've done a lot of uh, shows with different um, people that have that, some women, some men that have that vision. And it's just that many of us just don't know, know about them, right? And that's why I like mm -hmm. this podcast mm -hmm. to bring that awareness. But they uh -huh. are out here. Uh -huh. They are out here mm -hmm. with that vision, and they are working. They are trying. It's just that they're not on that level, like to where you're saying, like we don't see them, right? And um, mm -hmm. if they, yep. the ones that we see, they usually turn out to be fake and phonies. So that's really sad that they work against their own community. But they, they are. I'm going to tell you, they are out here. Definitely, like I say I'm one. I'm on my where I stand at from being a teacher and everything is I'm with the youth. You know, I'm about the future and building the foundation for our youth, right? Because 
Um, they are the, the future. They are now. They're the ones that we're going to have to look to. So I'm, I strongly yep. agree with the, the gap and everything. And it's not about black, white. It's about all of them. Yep. You know, Chinese, yep. Yep. all across the world, all of our children are, are suffering to at the hand of what people, what, what, <clears throat> how you want to put it, of what we are trying to create for them versus what they need and what they need to aspire. Because from where I sit and what I, what I see of them, the, they, they can do it. You know, they have, I think we can learn a lot from them. And so mm -hmm. I just wanted to mm -hmm. say that, you know, there are people out here that are trying. And um, I think as long as we keep talking about this and bringing those people to the forefront, it, like you said, hope, you know, we can get there. Yep. But I'm going to fall, yes. Peter, because I don't want to keep well, echoing no, on your stuff, okay? I'm, I'm going to no go down. No, no problem. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I, you're, you're correct. correct. Again, Again, Brandy, you're correct. Because if not for doing this show, I would not know this uh, person, Dr. Arakana Chamombori Kwao. Okay, uh, she she her speech is very uh, inspiring. She gave me a lot of uh, hope that actually there's still people, you know, uh, advocating what Malcolm X uh, uh, has been advocating in the past. Okay, not against the violence again, not for violence against any people, any race. It's just saying self determination, uh, self improvement, you know, and just a lot of good stuff. So. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Trump. How's that? <laughs> and, uh, so I've talked about this Mary Garland, who is the, the chief judge of the second highest court in the land. In the past episode, I've talked, I believe he is a typical judicial white privileges. He recently did something else, which I want to explain a little bit more, which just further proof that he is the playing the same trick that uh, usually, you know, the judicial white privilege play. Because as you know, because of the reason Supreme Court's lousy decisions, the public is questioning the, legitim uh, the legitimacy of our, of our judicial system. Rightfully so. Okay. The public should have questioned that long, long time ago. Okay. That is my main point. This is the, my, the whole show is about this, right? I was talking to my lawyer friend yesterday. You know, he said, uh, Peter, you are lucky that, that you are not being put in the jail in a solitary uh, confinement because any course would love to put you in a solitary confinement if you did anything uh, illegal. And uh, so let's, you know, let's talk about Mary Garland. He recently announced he's going to appoint this guy, Jack Smith, from Tennessee to be the independent prosecutor of a Trump's wrongdoings on both situations, one is January 6th, another one is the, taking the classified document. Mary Garland did this probably 24 hours after Trump announced that he is going to run in 2024 for the, president of the presidency of the United States. So here comes, I want to explain to you folks that here comes a typical judicial white privileges will do. The number one thing they want to do first is to establish the legitimacy of its action. In this case, Mary Garland knows very well that people, especially the MAGA people, he will consider him a politically motivated prosecutor. Okay, so very quickly, as soon as Trump announced that, he put out an independent prosecutor to do that. That here is the problem. 
because he is the attorney general for the entire country for all the cases, and most importantly, for all politically sensitive cases. So guess what other cases are politically sensitive involving presidential runs? Well, Kajin, uh, Ding Ding, the high dimension, Donald Trump's election fraud claims, market country. Who else is running in 2020 and 2024? Joe Biden. Who else is involved? What case will have an impact on the presidential election? Hunter Biden. Right? So you think about it. This guy can be Mary Garland, has been a judge, you know, pretty much for the longest time. You would think he would know that if you want to come out, say, I'm going to be appointing an independent counsel to demonstrate I'm so even-handed when dealing with these uh, political sensitive cases involving the election results. So I'm going to appoint an independent prosecutor to deal with Trump. But what about the other guy? Did the Joe Biden recently announce that he will be likely running in 2024 also? Right? For all its for all its content, these are hard facts from Hunter Biden's laptop. Are those things has any impact to the 2024 election results? You bet. Think about it. For tax evasion, for cocaine procession, for lying on federal gun applications, these are slam dunk cases. These are cakework. For any like newly graduate federal prosecutor, how come the state of Delaware, uh, the, uh, the Department of Justice for the District of Delaware still cannot come up with the charging document? The indictment. Think about it. Does this have anything to do with the 2020 election and 2024 election? Once again, when, what is the reason under the federal law and the federal regulation, what is the circumstances to justify the appointment of an independent prosecutor? It is when you know the case have a strong political implication where you don't you believe there's enough political influence will interfere with the proceeding of a criminal case. In, the, in this case, it's Hunter Biden and Donald Trump, right? So for him to come out 24 hours after Trump announced to say, I'm going to appoint an independent prosecutor, it is to me, a, actually a cover up. It is a good news for Donald Trump in a sense is this, because uh, in my past episode, I already said, Mary Garland to me is a stupid enough, like I said, this uh, uh, John Mearsheimer, you know, again, a professor, don't even know the triangulation, uh, triangulation of uh, great powers. Don't even understand that theory. It's, for me, it's just shocking, which I actually believe he's a dishonest about it. He has something to sell. He has a war to sell, basically a war uh, with China. So, so same thing with Mary, 
Gollum. So the fact he personally approved the search of a Malalago, which is the first in the in the history of this nation, itself is already provided Trump a golden opportunity to come back in 2024, because Trump can do. He can win only two. One of the two things, he will be a hero. He either beat the prosecution of his crime, he will be like O.J. Simpson, okay, or he will win the election of 2024. By the way, even if Trump is convicted, he is still allowed to run for the president of the United States. Talking about you know election fraud claims by the MAGA country in 2024, we are totally ready. For civil war, okay, in 2024, just think of it that way. So, going back to this、uh, appointment, the appointment of the independent prosecutor is、uh, a typical tool, a typical tri- trick, a typical charade for Mary Garland, who is in this business of justice for a long time, to establish this.、Uh, Fabricated appearance of impartiality. Okay, because of this, if he is so impartial, he would add a few mandate to this independent prosecutor. He will say, "You will be allowed to review from the beginning whether the search warrant of a Malalago is justified." Okay. He was. He will allow this independent prosecutor to really to overturn his own decision because an independent prosecutor is of an equal of the attorney general. Okay, so so he will be allowed. He will give a mandate to do that, but he does not. Instead, he will brought in this guy Jack Smith, which I'm going to talk about next. To Kind of a show to the public that what he is doing is even-handed, where in fact, to the MAGA country,、um, for the MAGA people, Hunter Biden is the poster child of a two-tiered justice system. That can be said. I mean, I will, I'm pretty sure African Americans、uh, who you know who are convicted for drug possessions will say the exact same thing. Okay, so that's the first thing I want to talk about. Second, I want to just talk about this、uh, illegitimacy of international criminal court, because this guy Jack Smith is being lauded by the mainstream media how great he is. He is a judge in the in the this、uh, entity called the International Criminal Court. Now, I have said in the past, it's not my words. This guy, uh, uh, Scott Ritter. Uh, uh, former Marine and、uh, former United Nations Weapon Inspector, he said this: International Criminal Court is a tribunal set up in a white country, European country, whose primary cases are black defendants grabbed from the African countries. <laughs> so, according to Scott Ritter, who, by the way, I think he's a Trump supporter, he said it's a total joke. Now, I want. I agree with him. I want to go further. I, must, I have said already. If the English law is so great, if if America's justice system is so great, remember our justice system is a 
critical component of American democracy, right? Again, triangulation of powers. Justice system, our judiciary is the one of the three key components of American democracy. If Americans' justice is so great, why don't we export that to other countries, such as to the International Criminal Court? We don't, for a reason, because it's not that great. So, but as we know, there's no international criminal law, right? If a Putin committed a criminal crime, uh, uh, international crime, who is the police to arrest uh, Putin? Nobody. Nobody has a jurisdiction. So the International Criminal Court is also not by jury trial, right? The great curse of a judicial white privilege is what the founding father has written in the Constitution, is that all the criminal trials, the judge is not the one who send out the judge to hand down the judgment. It's the jury of a trial of your peers. That's a huge difference. It's not a judge. In, this, in the criminal proceedings, the judge does not have the privilege. He or she might abuse the proceedings to screw a criminal defendant. That happens all the time. But the judge cannot give you a guilty or not guilty conclusion. Only a jury can give you that. Guess how the International Criminal Court operates? Have you ever heard of be a jury, serve on the jury of an international criminal court? If a criminal court hand out uh, uh, decisions by, not by a trial of jury, is that a legitimate one? It's not. Okay. Pretending we are going to have a jury selection for an international criminal court. Well, there's a 1 billion people in China, 1 billion in Africa, 1 billion in India. What the jury pool will look like? Right? It's, it's, so in other words, the way that the International Criminal Court operates, it's exactly how the judicial white privilege love to, op to operate. Basically, just to have a select a few privileges, a few white men who believe they are better than any other race, ethnicity, and gender, to make those calls. Right? It's always, again, you know, it's always the white knight gloriously pursuing after a black war criminals from Africa. Right? So, 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 I was talking to a uh, uh, William earlier today. It, it was a it's a hilarious hilarious uh, 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 situation because uh, back to this uh, Mama Africa. Uh, I need to pronounce her, her Doctor Arikana Chohombori Kwal. She has said she brought up my attention. You know, she brought up this uh, thing called the Berlin Conference. Berlin Conference is a conference among Western powers in Berlin in eighteen eighty five to decide how they're going to divvy up some Western African countries. Okay, you think about the Berlin Conference as a crime scene, a scene of a crime, a scene of an international crime. The criminals conspire, literally meet and greet and discuss and agreed upon a conspiracy to commit massacres, and uh, grand uh, theft of land and gold and all that. 
That is a typical case of a criminal case. Do we have an international criminal court to go after that? Because of fallout, what I understand, murder has no statute of limitation. Where are we going to get a jury to trial these criminals? Nobody. So this Jack Smith, the mainstream media has posted a picture of him wearing the robe of an international criminal court. I have always said that the court is a fraud all by itself. Under this scheme of this, I call it the, the white majoritarian democracy. It's not a legitimate court, period. So that is what I want to talk about. Because I, I said this before, I'm going to share this once again. Trump is having a golden opportunity in front of him. The, 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 it's a huge mistake for Mary Garland to sign off the search warrant of Mar-a-Lago. Because now is this. To me, this is my, again, I hate Trump. I believe he's clearly, he's clear as hell that he violated the law involving the January 6th riot on the Capitol grounds. I might disagree on the severity of the crimes being pursued, but I'm pretty sure Trump his hands is all over the place, okay? But however, now you are charging him of an espionage for a foreign power. That is a very, very high hurdle to overcome. All Trump is in need is a one member of the jury being a MAGA person or not, as long as that person strongly believes Financially, politically, culturally, racially speaking, Trump can never be considered a spy for China or a spy for Russia. Then the federal prosecutor, whether it's Jack Smith or Mary Garland or not, will, ha will have no chance to convict Donald Trump on those charges. Therefore, to pursue Trump's January 6th wrongdoings will become an issue of a double jeopardy. Meaning that the government, if the government try to simultaneously pursue a very, very severe crime, a treasonous crime, at the same time, a not so severe crime, then the jury usually, even sometimes the court will consider that the government is exaggerating the seriousness of the crime. So with that said, you know, I just hope this is that in this grand scheme of a triangulation of powers is this. The only area that people has a say, in my opinion, is a jury trial. This is where when you are a jury, you are actually the real judge of the guilt or innocence of a case. OK, so this is where no matter what kind of abuse the government wants to do, no matter what you know, abuse the, the lawmakers want to do. You know, the lawmakers can make awful laws. The, 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 the police can make up an awfully falsified police report against you. And the judge can make all kinds of abuse of the proceedings in a criminal trial. But at the end of the day, when the people, 12 person of your peers, is going to decide your fate, that's the only 
spot where the justice actually is being handed down by people rather than by privileges. So, so that is what I'm talking about. Because I will, uh, to close, I will just give you a quick example. MLK, once upon a time, was prosecuted for perjury, for tax problems. In other words, he probably did not pay for some taxes for some years, whatever. So the, I, the, 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 this is a state tax, not even federal tax. The state authorities prosecuted him not for tax evasion, prosecuted him perjury, meaning that he presented the for, falsified the tax return document to the government. MLK is facing an old white jury back then. And guess what happened? The old white jury found him not guilty. Not guilty. Just think of it. MLK is a political leader. Leader Donald Trump, you like him or you, not, you hate him. He is a political leader. All he needs is one jury to stand up, say, not guilty. End of the story. So that is what I want to talk about uh, today. Uh, William, you want to add something? Hey, Peter, can you hear me okay? Yes, perfectly. I guess we'll start with the most present thing. Um, wow. Uh, there's a book called The Fraternity by retired Judge Fitzpatrick Malloy, and it's a collusion of judges and attorneys. You can find it on Tulane Link. I didn't have a chance to put it in the live chat because uh -huh. I didn't want to invited me to speak so I can do that. But he basically wrote the book after he retired as a judge. He said it was once an honorable profession. So he says, but now, no, it's, um, it's so rigged now, the courts, uh, the collusion of, pardon me, judges and attorneys. All you got to do is look at the Steve Dozinger case regarding the Ecuadorian rainforest and the, what's happened there. I mean, uh, um, I mean, you're right. It should be, uh, there was no jury in that, uh, quasi criminal charge of contempt and he was convicted by the judge. Um, um, and he house arrest for 900 odd days. And then he went to prison. I'm not clear how long he went to prison. He's, it's on appeal. He's out, but he lost his law license and he, Prevailed in the Ecuadorian courts to the tune of $9.6 billion, uh, Chevron Texaco, for what a well-known uh, practice of dump and prompt procedures, um, contaminating uh, the ground and the waters and uh, many, many uh, problems with, of course, people getting very sick and dying. And so kind of like the Aaron Brockovich movie here, things that are, are quite warped um, to where we're not seeing judgments come down what the, the way just real quick and the um what it did the 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 attorneys for chevron of course they want to pay out even though there's well documented and that's not all that that's what they've been doing uh, that's why we had an epa and that's why they outsource things <laughs> let's i mean that's all another matter um and so the bottom line is so the the opposing counsel for chevron uh, subpoenas Dozinger's uh, computer and his laptop because no, this is confidential. I have confidentiality clauses between me and my clients, which of course he does. And uh, you're on a fishing expedition, which believe it or not is a legal term that you could use as an affirmative defense when the subpoenas are, are too broad, in your opinion. And um, 
the judge found him in guilt of contempt. And uh, uh, that's the rest follows. As I said, he was convicted by the judge um, without a jury, uh, the quasi-criminal charge. That's a civil matter, but it becomes a criminal charge, the contempt charge. So it was that's a three-month imprisonment. I don't think he spent more than 30 days, but I've never gotten that pinned down yet. Anyway, it's an appeal. So, okay, so now if you're looking at um, – there's a lot you covered here, Peter, and, and, and I think – uh, Tony started with some really good stuff. Oh, shoot. Let me reload the live text because it looks like, let me see if it's all still there. Sometimes rats. What happens is when the, when, when the, the chat gets long, it starts to get cut off because Tony had a really yeah. good quote. He was there earlier. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, rats. We missed that. And I have put a ton in there that's been eliminated. God darn it. Okay, well, let's start with the Chris Hedges case, the Obama-Chris Hedges um, case that got thrown out after he... Okay, here's the backdrop on that. Uh, uh, back in January 2012, former war correspondent Chris Hedges and others, including Noam Chomsky and Daniel Ellsberg, right, Pentagon Papers, filed a lawsuit in federal court challenging the constitutionality of the 2012 National Defense Authorization Act, and specifically the Act Section... 1021B, 1 parentheses 2, which allows for indefinite detention of the U.S. by the U.S. military of people who are part of a substantially part of or substantially support Al Qaeda, the Taliban, or associated forces engaging in hostilities against the United States. The detention denies those held of the ability to contest the allegations against them because they. Okay, so so what happened here was a thumbnail version. Um, Chris won the, the case, won, and then the, the 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 judge held up the decision. The Obama administration appealed it. It went to the Supreme Court eventually, and in the Supreme Court, it's the very end of the day, it was found Chris Hedges didn't have standing. Didn't have standing as a U.S. citizen. Didn't have standing. So what happens here is then the court just didn't hear it. So the Obama administration won the appeal. That's why we have the NDA today. Chris tried to, and all those folks tried to get it thrown out. And there was a lot more had in the text about that. There was multiple articles, but and and links. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, I, one thing I've, I, I've, I, I've, I I. I I read something about uh, I definitely follow uh, Chris Hedges and uh, I get Richard uh, Wolf another person. Now I have to uh, declare this: I listen to I uh, listening to uh, to them with great interest, but uh, as you can imagine, I do not necessarily agree with everything they said. Right, but going back to this, I do have I can consider myself a sworn enemy of the deep state. I truly believe you know. Uh, a lot of things uh, went wrong in this country since uh, after the Second World War uh, because of this uh, military-industrial complex and you know basically the permanent deep state. You know they are they are they are they are in cahoots with uh, uh, both parties basically, right? But I, the, my approach, I know what Chris Hedges wants to do. He wants to stop this uh, unlimited spending. In the defense, which you know, it's more of an aggression department, not a defense department, right? I think uh, uh, this guy Daniel Ellsberg recently said he believe we should slash the defense budget uh, to, uh, to half. Okay. 
No, no. I come from I... a different uh, angle. If I had my way, I will do it uh, retroactively, meaning that I will try to stop the bad things happening in future by pursuing bad things happening in the past, which are still within the statute limitation. I will give you a, one example, okay? This is totally my little imagination, can be very stupid, okay? I am a big Vietnam War buff. I read everything or watch anything that Vietnam War, Vietnam War related. There is this uh, Vietnam veteran who we uh, uh, had a reunion with his uh, battlefield buddies, including like the platoon leader or, or you know, basically he's a military leader, squad leader, whatever you call it, okay? So they are in the 70s and all that, you know. So this leader told him this. He said, I have to tell you, Johnny, I, I don't want to tell you. Remember those uh, uh, search and destroy missions we are on? You are used as a bait for the Viet Cong or the Vietnamese regular army to attack us so that the, the headquarters will bring in the air power to, to destroy. That's the search and destroy, meaning that the U.S. soldiers, foot soldiers, are used as the bait because it's, the forest is very deep. The vegetation is very, very thick. So they can tell back then where are the Viet Coms, where are the enemy troops. So they will use the American soldiers as the bait, intentionally give them just like a 12 people as a squad to enter those areas, knowing these are the general areas Viet Cong might be at, but we don't know for sure. Send them these people in, have them being ambushed, and then we know where the Vietcom are, and then we're going to bring the head, uh, headquarters, uh, the, bring in the air power, and do that. That's the whole scheme. I would say, if I were a family member of those KIAs who are under this situation, I would sue the Pentagon for wrongful death because of that. That's a fucking negligent. Uh, 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 a, a, a military command, which is del with this deliberate disregard of my life. Because uh, you know you are being sent you as a bait, not as a actual, like a search and the destroy. You actually send it. So the big, the enemy's bigger division will converge on you and get you killed. And then we will send the air power. That's a fucking stupid idea no matter how you look at it. But to me, I would rather see the U.S. government, the Defense Department, being sued for wrongful death. So they have to pay up for those. Okay, so this is one example. Another example will be this. Even today, there's a 400 mixed-race children. They're they are already in their 50s and 60s now in Vietnam. They are the children of American GIs and local women. Okay? They consider themselves American citizens, but the U.S. Department of uh, State Department and the U.S. Embassy refuse to acknowledge that. I think they deserve all the social benefit, government benefit, uh, American citizens deserve because they are born American citizens, because one of their parents are U.S. citizens. I'd rather U.S. government pay up, period. So it's only by paying for our past wrongs, 
we can prevent future rounds. That that is my take. You know, I can be wrong, but you know, again, I know Chris Hash is a very smart person. You know, he he should be doing whatever he feel like to do. So that is just me. Okay. Okay. So, but you see that the National Defense Authorization Act is is a whole other matter, and and that's very important because, of course, you wouldn't want to be detained without an opportunity to defend yourself indefinitely, without even arrested without a warrant. Um, so that's what he was fighting. In addition, you had go ahead. Go no, you go ahead. In addition, you had the Smith Munt M U N D T, which I had in a live chat. You know, one thing I want to say: whoever's running this app, do not edit things that are in the public domain. Please, I'm not blaming you, Peter. Don't get me wrong, but somebody cuts the knees off these live chats repeatedly when I'm in them. And Charlie, that's wrong. That's not what this platform's about. Everything I put is in the public domain. And it's not that, and it was all there, and half of it's been eliminated. And all I get told is there's glitches in the app. Now I got to go back, try and reveal everything. And Tony put in some good work in there too, along with Heidi. And we should not be censored. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Peter, but this keeps happening. Now I'm trying to, the other thing is just a little tip. You cover so much material and there's, it's so loaded every single point. And I know you have a limited time to do it and everything. And so what happens is like every one of your topics, there could be a whole show on and you cover, and I'm not criticizing you, but you go bang, 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 bang. And then you try and give as much time as you can for discussion, which I appreciate. So it's not critical. It's just that what happens is, if they don't stop doing this in the live chat, then those voices aren't heard like Tony's and, and, and if, if, and I'm not trying to manage your show, but if you don't take the time to read the live chat at times, then, it, and, and then, then it's just, um, we might as well be pissing in the wind. You, yes. I, I, you know, first of all, William, you are correct. First of all, my bad is today is the day I actually learned how to invite my followers. Uh, to the okay. show, I have not. So I, yeah, right. that, you are correct. I'm stand as a charge that I did not do a good job reading the uh, the, the, the 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 messaging page for the reasons that I for main reasons is that uh, as you can tell, I'm not a graduate from a journalism. You know, I uh, uh, you know I'm I'm you know I'm a healthcare analyst by trade. So I it's. It's a it's a very hard for me to even keep up, just uh, you know verbally. But I will be reading. Uh, 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 I prefer folks if they disagree with me or agree with me, just you know call in and then just tell me. You know, you no one is going to offend me whatsoever. You know, and uh, hey, got good so, news, bro. Good news. Go, go ahead. Good news. Go ahead. Go ahead. The live chat has just extended now back to the everything that was in it pursuing. All right. Okay. My comments? It just happened to glitch again, and it glitched it all back in. Thank you, Charlie. So let me let me read it. Let me read some. Uh, some yeah, you uh, do that. Yeah. Let me read some text. So I appreciate the the like uh, Tony said the, the first branch of government, mainstream media. Yes, mainstream media. I uh, oh back to William who said you know this guy uh, David Haberstam he wrote a pretty good uh, book called The uh, Coldest Winter. It's about the Korean War. Korean War, right? He in that book he talk about actually the people behind the Korean War are those who 
are children of the American missionaries in China who have a financial interest in China. They certainly lost a lot of their financial interest. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess the missionary uh, thing in China due to the uh, 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 communist takeover in 1949. So they really want to, you know, get even, you know, with that. And so they are very much behind the the the, the Korean War and the, later on the, the, the war in uh, Vietnam. So uh, gender equality, I want to talk about... Uh, uh, so yeah, because Heidi is on, Brandy is on earlier, I want to bring up, this, this is a topic I actually forgot to talk about uh, uh, Heidi and uh, Brandy. Uh, I have said recently is this, uh, I have a communication with this uh, professor, uh, Peggy McIntosh, who brought up this uh, concept of white privilege back in the 80s, right? So uh, she is very much uh, into linking the white privilege with the male privilege together, which I have been I have been disagree with her, you know, until recently. Uh, I have a, one example just show you that these judges they are smart. They know how to trick you, basically. Okay, I'll give you examples of this because uh, Heidi and uh, and uh, Brandy was on earlier. Uh, Brandy still on. So everybody knows Susan Susan B. Anthony who is a activist for women's rights to vote, right? So he, she probably is like a, a troublemaker, just like a William is a troublemaker towards the government today, right? She's a big troublemaker back then, right? So she is uh, facing a civil trial, basically. Oh, it could be a criminal trial. Basically, the government say she's a troublemaker, try to illegally organize certain activities for women's rights to vote and all that. So he, she was found guilty. I forgot whether it's by jury or by a judge, but you can imagine that judge is a male. The judge issued a $100 fine against Susan B. Anthony, saying for all the trouble you made, you need to pay $100 fine, which is not a small amount then. Okay, Susan B. Anthony being a badass herself, stand up and say, I'm not going to pay that fine. You can put me in jail. I'm not going to pay a fine. I already spend all my properties, my stocks, my, my animals, my you know cows and all that to, to, to do this uh, 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 women's voting rights movement. Uh, I, I don't have anything to pay that $100, I'm going to pay for that. So you can imagine that this judge, because Susan B. Anthony refused to pay that fine, she could be sentenced for criminal contempt of the court, right? Brilliant. Back to your Stephen Donzinger's situation, right? The contempt of the court, right? And the court never sentenced her to jail for refusing to pay that fine. And why? You think the court is very charitable towards uh, Susan B. Anthony? It's not, and I know why. If the court sentenced Susan B. Anthony into jail, instantly she will be eligible to appeal her sentence all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. At that time, I'm pretty sure it's this. These judges, they all know how, what is the best way to maintain the status quo. 
the best way to maintain the status quo is not to allow this case to reach out to the U.S. Supreme Court. So they actually never did anything with it, with that $100 fine, which is a, again, substantial fine. So what I want to bring up is this. These judges, they know the best way to manage the status quo. Because this is the status quo to allow their fellow lawyers to continue to profiteer and to con continue to allow the, 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 uh, the, 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 the uh, what I call it, uh, I, what the, how was in control is that to do the minimum to maintain the peace. Uh, so the, the few privileged can continue to profiteer from the, from the mass, from the average people. So, so I just want to, you know, bring that up, you know, because uh, thanks to this uh, particular uh, 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 test, I was going to talk about it. So let me read the more comments. But by the way, again, if you folks any feel any way to voice your disagreement with me and all that, just feel free to uh, call in. Peter, a lot of times we put things in the live chat to corroborate what we're saying. Do you know in other words to substantiate yes. it? So. Go ahead. Yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking at some uh, uh, brandies. Uh, yes. So, yeah, that yeah that that's pretty much all I can see. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, everybody, and this is a a, a great uh, you know a great conversation again. And uh, and uh, uh, thank you for joining in. And uh, hopefully, I will see you again uh, this coming Sunday. All right. Have a great uh, rest of your Sunday, and uh, in case you are a football fan, enjoy the football. I know, William, you are not. And uh, I appreciate everything, William. You're welcome. Thank you.